Mini episode 1102 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Welcome to mini-episode 1102 of the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with our preview of episode 4.3 of Billions. Here's our top five developments heading into this week's episode. Number five, Mafee looks like he's going to become a legitimate player. There are so many elements that make this show great. One of them is the capacity for even the background players to evolve in ways that help tell a bigger story. A big key to Rudy's survival in the big time has been his ability to get others to buy into his underdog story, and at first, Mafee did just that, taking pity on his friend and promising to get him hired. But once he had a chance to reflect on Taylor's edict that he would be responsible for Rudy's success, he reconsidered. It may have been a crappy thing to do as a friend, particularly since it was his social invitation that got Rudy fired from Axe Capital in the first place, but it also represented the kind of business maturity that we've rarely seen from this cuddly man-child. Mafia has decided that he wants a fresh start at Mace Capital, a chance to really grow his skills, and he's ready to grow up to be able to do that. Maybe he'll become a real player by the time it's all said and done. Number four, life in the big seat is starting out pretty sour for Connerty. His new perch is arguably the second most important prosecutorial spot in the federal government, and Chuck always made it look like the capital of the universe. But Brian's going to be under Jock Jeffcoat's thumb the same way Rhodes Jr. was. He's got his old frenemy Sacker needling him at every turn, and now he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has not seen the last of his old metter. On top of that, the Boy Scout, who always felt morally superior to Chuck, had to stoop lower than him to get his job, and now good old self-righteous Brian Connerty is going to have to stay in the gutter to stay ahead of Chuck. Couldn't happen to a nicer hypocrite. Number three, Chuck and Bobby both push past warnings from vicious enemies. Chuck knows what Brian and Jock are capable of collectively, but he showed no fear to his former underling. Blackjack still looms as a threat given his S&M blackmail file, but that's a different story for a different day. Meanwhile, Grigger warned Bobby at the end of Season 3 to leave Taylor alone. Knowing that he would disregard the warning, Bobby upped his security dramatically and tried to blow up Mace Capital's Middle Eastern deal. Having been warned by Grigger once again, Bobby turned around by getting the banks to freeze out Taylor. Somebody in Bobby's inner circle is going to pay the price in terms of blood very soon. Number two, Taylor is proving to be way more crafty than anticipated, but the capacity for ruthlessness has yet to be fully established. Figuring out the three-dimensional chess way to take out Grigger's tycoon buddies was impressive intellectually, but not much of a challenge to the old moral compass since those guys are scumbags. But Grigger is on a whole different plane whatsoever in terms of evil, and outmaneuvering that particular nation-state will require getting those hands dirty. Like Connerty, Taylor seems to have pretensions of moral superiority to the other side. But like Connerty, the survival of Mace Camp will depend on the willingness to do whatever is necessary, no matter how loathsome, probably just to survive Grigger, let alone Axe. Number one, 
Chuck and Bobby not only have commonalities in their interests these days, but also in how they parallel with the bedroom. Chuck celebrated his success by indulging his arousal template, but we got the first glimpse that Wendy is only a dominatrix by duty, not by desire. Trouble looms on that front. Meanwhile, Bobby picked up a new business partner who doubles as a billion-dollar booty call, but having had to put up with his annex in the cleaning industry, she's going to be looking for ways to keep him in check going forward. Both men are enjoying what they see as the successful beginnings of their alliance and the counteroffensive that they are jointly pursuing, and that enjoyment is carried over into the bedroom for both of them. But storm clouds now loom there, and what happens next in that most intimate of playgrounds could come to affect them in the business-politics nexus, We'll stay tuned for that development to be sure. Thank you for joining us for this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all Clear Channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio. Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse, and The Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 